Hey there, I'm Lucas Fitz. If you know me, you know two things to be true. I love a good pair of denim, and I'm always here for the stories. When I first got into the heritage goods movement and buying intentionally, I looked to American Field as an industry leader in connecting cool brands to cool consumers. There's nothing better than hearing the story behind how a big idea grew into a business. Now, we're bringing it online and inviting you to join in the conversation, whether you're watching or listening along from wherever you call home. I'll be hosting these fireside chats, intimate, personal looks at the inner workings of some of our favorite brands on our AF network. So, sit down, grab a whiskey or coffee or beer, and ride along as we shine the spotlight on real people and real stories. This is AF Fireside. Today's episode is presented by Jamestown, a global real estate investment and management company known for transforming spaces into innovation hubs and community centers. Learn more at jamestownlp.com. Hey, how's it going? Welcome back to AF Fireside. As always, I'm your host, Lucas C. Fitz. Uh, This is one of those episodes where I am looking into the laptop and the microphone talking at myself for a half hour. Uh, Does not get any more comfortable as time goes on, but I will say I do enjoy uh, thinking about these recap episodes. goes back to my college essay days. Um, Never something I was particularly good at, but I hope that you enjoy getting to take a look back at the brands that we talked to in a specific theme. This time we are taking apart sustainability from the bottom, building it up to the top. Uh, It's a complex word. It's a complex concept. Um, I've learned a lot. In this series, I was really excited to talk to a handful of brands that I've looked up to for a very long time and a couple brands that are totally new on my radar and have gained a ton of respect for over the course of these conversations. So make sure once you've you know listened through the whole episode, maybe gone back and, and re-listened to some of the brands that speak to you, let me know what you think about these recap episodes and what you'd like to hear in terms of categories as we move forward into the future. So let's dive in, and I hate to do this to you, especially after just bringing up college essays. We're going to go right to the dictionary. Sustainability, noun, the ability to be maintained at a certain rate or level or avoidance of the depletion of natural resources in order to maintain an ecological balance. What does that really mean? I mean, uh, in the way that we think about sustainability now, it's really up to an individual brand or company to determine what that means. Uh, Over the course of the series, we spoke to six different brands. Each has a slightly different definition, how they apply it to their brand and their ethos. But overall, it all kind of means the same thing. And the thing that these brands all have in common here is they're all fighting the general consumer understanding of what sustainability means as we've been taught by big box brands. Yes, this is the political soapbox that I will be standing on through this episode. You asked for it and you are receiving it. This is a topic that Charles from Charles Miller Brand Denim and I have talked about uh, an extensive amount Uh, especially the concept of words like community and heritage in our niche with denim and um, collaboration. Sustainability fits right in there where those words have been used so fluidly by all sorts of marketing campaigns that it's hard to know what they actually mean for a specific brand. Here is a clip from the first episode where we focused on sustainability, where Charles and I zoom out to look at the word and concept behind sustainability and then zoom back in to see how it applies to the world of denim. Because it's, it's multiple layered, um, in, in my opinion, sustainability. So when you talk about own ownership, meaning to me, it's owning 
owning the legacy of your brand, of your product and, and, and what you want to see in the future and how what you're doing now affects the future for goods, affects the future for consumers, affects the future for the environment. And so uh, it's, it's, it's multi-layered. And um, I think real sustainability begins at what are you doing to better the consumer's experience with the product that you're, that you're creating? Sure. I think that's, I think that's the foundation of it. Essentially. You, you think that goes beyond, uh, you know, beyond the physical environment, like the global environment? Yeah, I think it goes beyond that because I think as, I mean, yeah, it's like whatever, whatever products you're using, um, whether it's, it's, it's trimming that's, that's um, recyclable or it's, or it's less water usage, less, less chemical usage in, in whatever product you're, you're producing or creating. Um, And I think it goes, it goes from that. And what we really don't talk about enough is, the, the the transition of information and legacy as it goes to to innovation for the the, the next the next Lucases or the next Charleses that that are that are going to come up with the next big idea or big product. Sure. Um, sure. We we talked about it. We talked about it um, in one of our our um, our email campaigns, and and we talked about heritage. And I think this sustainability part of it talks to feeding feeding the heritage, which. And that, in, in, in that perspective, is the uh, the hunger and the grind in the next up and coming entrepreneurs um, or small business owners. You know, sure, totally, yeah. I think that we're. Um, I don't know. This is a little, maybe a little hot take. We're going to call it a hot give because I'm I'm giving this insight. If you don't know it already, we've totally been fooled on the whole like metal straws <laughs> sustainability thing. Like. Um, the the reality of uh, you know those those huge companies that are dumping waste into rivers and into the uh into the atmosphere have right. convinced us to 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 buy more things you know right. and right. and a means to be to be sustainable big big air quotes around sustainable there um right. but that is uh, you know there i think there's something like you said there's something to be said about practicing uh a greater sense of sustainability, right? Boiling that down to meaning creating an atmosphere where we can continue to do these things. Right. right. Um, in, in a, in a means that is not uh, a, a sales driver. And that's like right. a thing I'm really interested in, in learning about. Obviously a lot of those things are kind of consumer are, are, mm-hmm. are come from a consumer push, right? This is, right. this is important. Obviously the planet is important. Obviously the environment is important. Right. Obviously we can't keep doing anything. If we don't have a planet to live on. Right. Um, but I think that it's a, it's a, it's, it's bigger than that. Right. And, and you have to factor in what, what part of that movement isn't coming from a, a marketing push. Right. All right, so we have uh, clearly a pretty personal, interpersonal meaning, and then we have a pretty environmental meaning of the word sustainability. And I think that when the term comes to mind, we probably gravitate towards the environmental effects first. So let's dive in there. I was really excited to sit down with Rob, who's the founder of the brand Norton Point, as well as their parent company, Oceanworks. Uh, And Norton Point uses recycled ocean plastics made by Oceanworks to make sunglasses and other kinds of apparel. Uh, I think it's a really interesting perspective to talk to someone behind a brand that 
essentially helps other brands have a sustainable aspect to their method of production and brand ethos. Uh, He had a really great lens into what it means to be sustainable, some of the challenges to get into that mindset and into that practice, and a little bit of an idea of where to start. I think in this industry, well, especially if you're like an entrepreneur or aspiring entrepreneur, um, it really comes down to like empathy. So like trying to put yourself in the shoes of, of your customer. And thankfully, like I had gone down that route building out Norton Point and I knew like where all these pain points were. And I was like, there has to be a better way there. So as we kind of roll that OceanWorks and like go to market strategy, it was really about like de-risking the proposition. Because um, for a lot of brands, whether you're small or large, it's really scary to sort of jump into sustainability. Um, and I knew that because when I did it, I, I didn't know any better. Um, but I made a lot of mistakes along the way that I knew that in order for this to scale, there'd have to be a way where those mistakes weren't uh, as prevalent, you know, for our future customers of OceanWorks. Sure. So it really came down to that, just kind of a lot of like design thinking on what, what are the real fears for, for using recycled ocean plastics and how can we create value that overcomes those? So do you feel like that thought process is applicable across all industries or is that kind of a specific, specific to um, sustainability in terms of the product end. I think it has a lot to do like sustainability is really new still. Um, you know, and you look at like capitalism historically, capitalism was really built on carbon. Um, and I think we're at this crossroads where we've realized like we got carbon pretty wrong. Um, and the shift that you're seeing, whether it's the green new deal or all this ESG stuff or what have you, um, or, you know, general motors all of a sudden is saying, well, all electric by 2035. I'm not sure if consumers are demanding that or if these large corporates are starting to realize that they'd have to make a systemic change uh, because their business models have been built on carbon and that's not going to last another hundred years. Mm -hmm. So, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's a change and, and, and some industries change faster than others. You know, look at fashion, fashion switched over to recycled polyester aggressively. Mm -hmm. You know, I think Adidas had a lot to do with that. Um, and then now, you know, there's Unify and Reprieve uh, for polyesters. There's a Econel for recycled nylons. Um, but then other industries are really slow, like automotive. I mean, to spec out an automotive part is like three to four years. And then, you know, you have to have ubiquity in material and process and performance. So I think it's a little cyclical, but generally the, the trend is that everyone's kind of moving their aircraft carriers towards this new direction. Uh, Some are just moving faster than others. So while we're on the topic of experience and perspective and things we've learned over the last, I don't know, decade, uh, we have to talk about the conversation that we had with Rand Parton, who is one of the co-founders of the brand Apollos. I have been a big Apollos fan, man, as long as I've been on Instagram talking about clothes. Got a couple friends uh, that have great old Apollos chore jackets. Uh, But if you're to recognize them out on the street today, you would know them from their uh, market bags that they have. Uh, you go to a farmer's market, you get on a train in the city, uh, you're going to see one. I was in New York this past weekend, and I probably saw three or four of them. Um, they're a brand that has a B Corp status. Uh, in the clip that I'm about to play for you, we talk kind of in the f- reference of what it took for them to become that kind of a brand. Uh, but we have to look at the big picture and their decade of experience in tech t- textiles, uh, which is obviously a hot, hot area to be talking about sustainability. Um, 
listen into what Rand says about some angles of success they've had, as well as the way he speaks about the changing landscape of sustainability and, in their case, uh, their crusade for ethical manufacturing. Yeah, I mean, I think it's uh, it's a difficult um, style of, or I guess, foundation that you or commitment you want to make from like a company ethos perspective. And I think, you know, we've learned a lot. I don't think we've done anything perfectly. I think we've been pretty open source about our journey of how we've, you know, learned some really deep, dark secrets about our industry being that it's one of the most, um, you know, harsh impacts environmentally um, out of like, you know, maybe second to the oil and gas industry. So there are a lot of uh, sort of difficult realities of our business. And I think you only really can change any rules if you're in the game, so to speak. So I think like, I don't think we've done a perfect job over the years, but I think we're always trying to improve and ask like hard questions and relay that disclose that to our customers um, and kind of bring them along where there isn't a lot of ready, uh, you know, available information within, you know, if we're, if we're talking about from an environmental standpoint or a social standpoint, usually it kind of is an intersection of the both categories. You kind of, my opinion, you kind of can't have one without the other. So there are a lot of companies that maybe like don't, they downplay the supply chain from a human resource standpoint, but then they say these are recycled um, polyester PETs that we're using for this like second gen polyester but the reality you know in some of these textile companies that I've been to in Asia it's like they actually produce the water bottles to make the fabric you know it's like it's not actually being recycled so I think there's a lot of gimmicks in our business and so I think you know that was one of the things that drew us to this um, the supply chain that we partner with in Bangladesh where it was the maximum expression of kind of like human empowerment blended with the most like primitive uh, natural textiles on like with one product, like both the textile and the kind of supply chain um, human impact standpoint was like night and day from any other origin that we had ever worked with. So, you know, I think, but I think this idea of social enterprise, it, it, a, lot, it, a lot of it has to do with this kind of triple bottom line where you're kind of, you, you want, you know, I think profit is the ultimate indicator of sustainability. It's kind of a bad word in a lot of the, because we're kind of on this fringe of like, we, do, we talk to a lot of NGOs and not for profits. And then like, then there's like the business side. And then it's like, you know, to talk about profit it's sometimes a bad word, but I think for a company to stand on its own two feet organically um, is I think the ultimate indicator of sustainability. Like if you can keep moving the ball forward by yourself without, you know, needing help, then that kind of is an indicator of sustainability. And then, and then kind of also having these um, really high, you know, just guidelines on the textile sustainable element to it and then also on the um kind of human resource supply chain side of it so i think b corp that you know is relatively the equivalent of like a lead certification on in the architecture world where it's more or less like a uh, rating system for how 
you can best kind of balance those elements to um, have essentially like a grade. Um, and I think that's one of the few third parties that are really holding, you know, these companies feet to the fire to kind of have that, um, have that sort of like, you know, more tangible, because a lot of it is just, you know, comms, you know, it's like, right. oh, we're sustainable. We, you know, we talked about this briefly before the, the conversation started. It's like, there's a lot of like, lack of better terms, like greenwashing, or um, I think for us, we're fundamentally um, focused on the social element. And then the environmental is like a 2.0 that we, as we can kind of first, like, I don't think you can serve both things equally. Like you have to sort of pick a battle and then kind of blend in the, so that's like where the social enterprise, social entrepreneurship side has really like been a fundamental kind of missional focus for us as a company. And it just taken us a lot of random places. Cool. Love that conversation. Uh, go back and listen to the Apollos episode. There was a lot of really great little tidbits. I think uh, even in that part we just listened to, Rand said, maybe my, my favorite quotable moment from this series when he talks about if you want to be a part of the change, you got to actually be in the game. Solid advice. Uh, another conversation that I was giddy looking forward to was talking to Mike from Taylor Stitch. He's one of the founders of uh, San Francisco-based apparel brand. I've got a ton of their stuff. Um, if you know me, you know I'm a big Taylor Stitch guy. They have a mantra responsibly built for the long haul. Um, I've had some conversations with them in the past. Enjoyed this conversation with Mike about how exactly they go about defining the word responsible in that sentence. Not easy to claim a word um, that has been you know, greenwashed, as Mike says, uh, and then have to educate your customers on what exactly that means for your specific brand. Listen in for his advice. It's, it's, it's so hard because, you know, it's, it's so easy for companies to greenwash and just like, kind of say like, Hey, you know, these are the things we do. And it's like, eh, it's, 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 it's a little oversimplified, like responsibility and sustainability are like highly complex things and they're never perfect. And, you know, you can talk about carbon sequestration and, you know, you, you can go down rabbit holes and it's not, it gets like pretty intellectual, pretty fast. And like, that's hard to market. You know, this is, like, you know, most people in the, the days of, you know, the perpetual scroll and two second attention spans, like you don't have the opportunity to like really write long form, um, long form things. So, you know, a lot of it's like, you know, having, having these conversations, um, you know, we have an entire responsibility month uh, where, you know, where we try and lean into that as much as possible. You know, but we're, just, we're just kind of always mentioning things. You know, it's trying to really deconstruct the story that I just told you into tidbits of information that you can really just kind of, you know, apprehend and comprehend really fast. Totally. Yeah. Super recognizable. Yeah. It's hard. It's a challenge. Like people, you know, like as much as people care about it, it's, you know, there's also so much greenwashing going on. It's hard to it's hard to really differentiate yourself or get people to understand that differentiation of all the efforts that you're doing. So we've talked a lot about concept here, about the concept behind the word sustainability. We've kind of danced around about linguistics, and now it's time to talk about some actual nitty gritty stuff. Uh, we can't ignore this obvious fact based in science. <laughs> 
not trying to make a political statement here, but it, it is a fact. The way that we produce and the way that we consume goods is doing a great harm on the planet that we live in. And if we want to continue to live on this planet and uh, sustain a future for future generations, we have to change the way that we consume goods and the way that those goods are produced. Um, there is a huge tie there, obviously, between uh, sustainability and brands that hover in the outdoor industry. Wanderwide is half outdoor brand, half art brand. They make really cool kind of custom hanging wall hangings and artwork for your house that, or, or your office, wherever you want. You can put them wherever you want. But see, this is why I can't just sit in front of the microphone and talk. <laughs> I'm, I'm keeping that. I'm not editing it out. Um, but yeah, Wanderwide makes these really cool posters that you can check off different national parks and different, uh, you know, tall mountains and baseball stadiums that you've been to in the past. Um, so Nate, who's the founder, and I talked about the delicate balance between those two ideas. Uh, go back and listen to their full episode for a further discussion on how they vet the nonprofits and organizations that they work with in terms of sustainability. But in this highlight, we are specifically talking about the responsibility that outdoor brands should have to maintain I mean, I think there's incredible uh, the quality of too, our environment. Right? It's... it's um... It's something we struggle with a lot right from the beginning because, you know, by obviously making prints that encourage people to adventure more places, you're going to be sending people to more places. You're getting people out to, to places that wouldn't necessarily have them there otherwise. Maybe they didn't even know it existed, right? right. So that, I think there's a, there's a bit of like weight and we kind of look at it as a responsibility because if you're going to be doing this, then um, it, I think there is a, there's a tremendous responsibility to make sure the ethos of your brand is aligned with protecting the places that you send people. It has to be, right? Because otherwise you're, it's just another consumer product that's destroying the planet, maybe more directly. Um, and it's, it's evolved, but I think from the beginning, our, our approach, in addition to trying to be as sustainable as possible to all the product pieces itself, right? Um, in addition to that, we've also uh, decided almost like as an adventure offset, like for every print that somebody buys, we donate a dollar. and you know, that builds up pretty quickly. And, and it, For sure. each dollar from each print goes to a corresponding um, nonprofit that's protecting that type of place. So like, for example, like the surf print goes to Save the Waves, which is dedicated to protecting those surf environments um, and conserving them um, from obviously the threats that face them. So it, do we, we have like, I think we have 10 different, 10 or 11, it grows every day, but I think we have 10 or 11 different partners we work with and donate to directly. But I mean, that's, that's cool. our approach and I think it's different. For every company, but I think it is, it's integral um, because otherwise it's, you're, a, you're basically a poisoning the place you're sending people to. <laughs> for sure. Like I want to with Instagram, you know, it's like, right. oh, get people out and then, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you know, people got smart. I'm like, maybe we should have geotagged these hidden places. <laughs> All right. So we can't finish this conversation without talking about that personal end of the concept of sustainability. Uh, as we said earlier, and we read the super technical dif dictionary definition, it all comes down to having something that you're able to sustain, obviously keep going the same way that you had yesterday. So as I'm sure you can assume, whether you're a business owner or not, that's not just about the way we treat our environment. It's a way that we create an environment in our own business to be able to keep the ball rolling. 
when I talked to Tyler from HFA Goods, we talked about the intricacies of deciding when it's time to jump from a part-time hobby or a you know, part-time business into a sustainable full-time hustle. Uh, now, in this clip, we're talking specifically about logistics and how to justify a made-to-order queue for his leather business versus a full-standing inventory. So clearly this is just one business owner's perspective, but I think it's some good insight into when to make that move. Um, you know, so I think the big thing that really changes is you go from making, um, you know, making on your own schedule, I guess, you know, as much as you want, you know, and, and having that quantity there to having to think a little bit more about your order queue, right? If everything's made to order, how are you going to operate? How are you going to go through your order, right. right? Are you going to, are you going to go from just a, you know, who ordered last and, uh, or sorry, who ordered first and, you know, work, work through it that way, which is, you know, typically how I do things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but then there's also things where you're like, Hey, you know what, this thing might take a little bit less time right. than this thing. And it might Crank be a, out a key fob differently than a backpack. Exactly. exactly. Right. And, and so like, I'm going to push that out and maybe that person got their, their item in a day, right. As opposed to the person who's, you know, waiting for a backpack for a month, you know? So, right. um, I think what really the conversation that you really need to have with yourself, if you're going to make that switch is, uh, and even, even it would be the same thing if you're talking to people in other industries as well Is like, I think what really gets tested there is kind of your organizational timeline and, um, you know, the integrity of, of, of how you're going to go about doing, you know, sure. your orders. It becomes more, that point. more about operations than logistics. It Correct. Like. Correct. Cool, man. Yeah. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Cool, dude. Well, before we talk about the future, I want to zoom out to, yeah. to one kind of big overarching question. And it's a conversation sure. I know that we've probably vibed on for, I don't know, a good 10 to 20 hours, just the two of us sure. on the phone before. Um, but you are super transparent about this being a part-time side hustle for you. Uh, sure. And we've talked about what does it look like when it's not, or, you know, what are, what are the signs that you're looking for? Uh, I guess that's really the question, right? Looking from your perspective, if you can speak to maybe the maker community as a whole or the the brand builder community as a whole, in your opinion, what are the road signs to look for that this side hustle could be a sustainable full-time career? Yeah. I mean, I, I, we've, yeah, this is a, you know, this is the million dollar question that I ask myself, you know, a lot. Right. And um, you know, uh, I wish I had an answer for it. And, and if I did, I, you know, you would be talking to me about as like a, you know, a full-time HFA brand owner you right. know, doing, doing this, you know, steering the ship, you know, all the time. Right. So, um, you know, but with that being said, I mean, I think that there's uh, a lot of things that, um, you know, I don't say I'm necessarily out there like hunting for, or, you know, anything that like, I'm, you know, uh, gets me bent out of shape about sure. if I don't check this box or something, whatever, uh, I'm, I'm really content with where I'm at right now. Um, with that being said, like there's always those days where, um, you know, whether it's you or or any of the other small makers out there, you know, where it gets brought up like, Hey, you know, have you ever thought about taking this thing full time or, Hey, have you ever, you know, thought about this? And at the beginning, like, you know, probably the first year of doing HFA, it's funny because I used to get that question all the time. It used to be like, it'd be buddies of mine. They'd be like, Hey man. So like, this thing looks like it's blowing up. Like, you know, you got 312 followers. Like, when are you taking this thing full time? And I'd be like, but, but you understand that I made like $33, like over the last <laughs> two weeks, right? right? Like times that by two, like I just made 66 bucks, like this month, you know, like, what do you, what are you, what are you doing with that? You know? So, right. uh, it, right out of the gate, it was like, hey, you know what, um, you know, it wasn't even a thought of mine, you know, just from right. like a financial standpoint. It was like, Obviously can't, there's can't. the financial market. Yeah. 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 And that's right. going to be it's personal. Perfect. Right. And that's, and that's, that's exactly it. Right. Like if you can't, if you can't get past that barrier or, you know, cross that, you know, um, you know, you can't get through that hoop, I guess. 
um, you know, then, then it's going to be tough. But uh, I think I've, I've spoken with a, a bunch of different people and kind of gotten their mindsets on it. Um, I know, you know, Luke from, from Commonwealth provisions pretty well. And sure. um, I was chatting with him recently and like, you know, his stories is a phenomenal one, um, you know, and he kind of gave me some feedback on, you know, what the markers were for him and, and uh, you know, kind of put it into perspective, you know, um, kind of where my mind is at with the whole thing or whatever, but to hear it from another maker, I think is, uh, is really cool. So like, you know, when are you, you know, when are you comfortable, you know, taking a step back from your full-time jobs so that, you know, um, what you're doing with an HFA or whatever you're doing with your side hustle is like going to be able to provide a life for you that, you know, you're okay living, you know, understanding that it's probably going to be, um, you know, a little bit of a step back and you're probably going to be a little tighter on your, on your wallet, pun intended, um, you know, with this new life being, you know, being a, being a small maker, but running it full-time, you know? So, I just, I haven't been able to, uh, and and I'll be the first to admit it, like for me, you know, sustaining, um, you know, enough sales, you know, where I'm at right now, you know, pushing stuff mostly through e-commerce and Instagram and, you know, the pop-up shows, you know, when that, whenever they come back, um, just isn't, isn't enough for me to, you know, be like, you know what, Um, I'm going to quit my job. All right. So there we have it. There's our recap on our fourth category of brands that we spoke to all focus in the world of sustainability. Hopefully you learned something as always encourage you to go back and listen to those full episodes starting next week. We'll have a handful of brands from the world of outdoors and outdoor activities running in tandem with our clamping market. They're running at the dairy block in Denver this July. Uh, If you're in the city, hope you can check it out. Uh, As always, you can check out more about our events and all the brands that we've talked to you so far on shopaf.co. We'll see you next week. Stay cool out there. I'm Lucas Fitz, and this is AF Fireside. To learn more about all the brands featured on the podcast, check out fireside.shopaf.co. And don't forget to subscribe to us on your streaming platform of choice. Thanks for listening. Today's episode is presented by Jamestown, a global real estate investment and management company known for transforming spaces into innovation hubs and community centers. Learn more at jamestownlp.com.